Amen. At this time, we will <clears throat> dismiss the horde of locusts. Uh, dismiss, dismiss the children, the blessings from the Lord, the arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. We will dismiss them to be sharpened uh, in kids' church this morning. <clears throat> As they're going, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to the book of Acts. Uh, I had two sermons prepared for this morning. Uh, depending upon whether or not uh, you guys actually invited your friends to church this morning. Uh, and so we're gr- grateful to see uh, so many new faces here this morning. Uh, but we're going to be looking at uh, the church this morning. Uh, do, uh, we have been walking through the book of Second Samuel. Uh, last week we got to deal with <clears throat> all of the uh, fun discussion of Second Samuel chapter 13 with incest and rape and all that fun stuff that takes place in the book of Second Samuel. And so uh, this morning we're going to take a break from that because uh, that's kind of heavy. Uh, so we're going to talk this morning about the church. Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, we're going to read verses 19 through 30. Acts chapter 11, <clears throat> verses 19 through 30. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose connected with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks and preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. And when he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And then he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. For when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came about that for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had mean, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your church. We thank you that your church is indeed the bride of Christ. Lord, that you love your church so much so that you sent your son to die to pay the penalty for our sin, that your church may be brought to you. We thank you this morning and we pray, God, that your gospel message would clearly be seen through the words of the book of Acts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, my prayer for us this morning is that we would leave service today seeing the value of the local church. How many of you have have heard someone say, 
Or maybe you have even said something to the nature of, I love Jesus, or I, I'm, I'm a fan of Christianity, I follow Jesus, but I, I really just don't like the church and I'm very turned off or I'm frustrated with the church. Has anybody ever heard anything like that? If, if, if you're not raising your hand, then you're not listening. Uh, because because people, people are frustrated with the church. Why? Because the church is full of broken people, right? Uh, I heard, uh, I mentioned this quote to you last week, Mark Dever, uh, who is the leading, uh, the leading scholar on the study in the uh, local church, ecclesiology, and he says, people will always come up to me and they will say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. And my response to them, this is, this is uh, Mark Dever, he said, my response to them is, you're absolutely right, the church is full of hypocrites and there's always room for one more. Because the reality is, is that the church is full of broken people and broken people do broken things. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we are full of pride and arrogance and, and we want what we want, when we want it and how we want it, right? And so whenever you have an organization, an institution that is made up of, of selfish individuals, we are going to live and act selfishly. And so in turn, the church at times will do things that will hurt you. The church at times will do things that are difficult to deal with. Uh, my family and I have experienced this firsthand. Some of the most, some of those mean people that we have ever met, we met at church. Some of the most hateful people we've ever met, we've met at church. But the flip side of that, some of the most godly, caring, loving, kind people that we have ever been involved with have been through the church. And so what I want to do this morning is I'm going to look at a few basic principles that we find in God's Word relating to the church, the local church. And then we're going to look at this text that we just read and we're going to look at what the church does. What is the role of the local church? So I want to apologize now because there's about 700 Bible verses that we're going to cover this morning. So we're going to go really, really quickly. And so uh, in, your, in your bulletins, if you got one of those, uh, if you've noticed we've made a change, there's a section for you to put notes. Uh, we noticed that people were, were writing in margins and things like that. There's a section for you to put notes. So as we're hitting a lot of these Bible verses, a lot of these Bible passages, if you want to just jot down the address, if you want to just jot down the reference and go back and look at them later, you can do so. But I want to talk to you very briefly about some principles of the local church. First of all, if you are a Christian, if you have been born again, if you have been, if you have trusted Jesus, alone for your salvation, you have, as Jesus said in John chapter 3, you have been born again. Now, most of us who were born were born into a family. I have yet to met someone who was born without a mom and a dad. Everyone is born, is born into a family. Well, conversely, when we're born again, we're born into a family. And the reason God gives little children to moms and dads, we, we, we looked at it this morning as Amber and Brett uh, dedicated their children. There's a reason why God gave children to parents and God gave children to a family. Because there's going to come a day whenever Brett and Amber are raising these three little beautiful children and, and mom's going to get sick and dad's going to be out of town for work 
and they're going to look around and mom's going to be running fever or mom's going to have a stomach bug and we got to raise these three kids. They still, you know, whether or not mom is, is, has projectile vomiting or not doesn't change the fact that, that, that the little ones need breakfast, lunch and dinner. That they still need to be bathed. They still need to be, uh, to be, you know, put to bed. And whenever mom is laid up in bed and dad's away at work, we need help. We need help. There have been so many times in, I'm, in my personal life, whenever my mom or my dad or my mother-in-law or my father-in-law or my sister or brother or sister-in-law or brother-in-law have come to help just because it, it's difficult to raise kids. Amen? It's difficult just to take care of all of their needs. And in a similar fashion, our spiritual walk, God gives us, we're born into a family with brothers and sisters in Christ who can come beside us and walk with us and encourage us. And so there's a couple principles I want us to understand. One, that we need the support of the local church. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says this. It says that we are to bear one another's burdens. Chapter 2 Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. The reality is, is that we live in a difficult world that has burdens and we're incapable of carrying those burdens alone. It's just the cruel reality of this world is that we can't bear it alone. And so God gives us the local church. He gives us a family of of believers, of brothers and sisters in Christ who will come beside us and help us to bear that load. The scripture also teaches us that God loves the local church. The local church. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. This is passage where Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says this. He says, husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. So much so that he gave himself up for her. God loved the church So much that he sent his son to die on a criminal's cross, to be buried in a borrowed tomb, and to raise victorious over sin, death, and the grave. Why? Because he loved the church. The church is God's bride. Time and time again in the New New Testament, we see this, this analogy, this word picture, as Christ being the bridegroom and the church being the bride. And I love my kids. But I love my wife in a very peculiar way. In a very particular way. Maybe because if something happens to my kids, I can make more with my wife. There is a a reality. There is a reality. She's, 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 she's looking at me right now thinking, oh, you're in so much trouble. <clears throat> there is a, there's a reality that, that, that there's a peculiar affection, a peculiar love that, that, that a husband has for his wife. And I remember whenever I was 18 years old, I remember when I was 18 years old, I had smarted off to my mom and uh, I never did that. I never talked back to my mom. And I remember my dad at, when I was 18 years old, he took me outside and he said, son, he said, you're 18 years old. You're a grown man. He said, if you ever talk to my wife like that again, he said, I'll put you in the hospital. Now, 
He was probably telling absolute 100% truth. Because he had a peculiar affection for his wife. God loves the church. So much so that he sent his son to die for the church. And I want us to understand this other principle in the New Testament that there is times whenever the Holy Spirit through the Word of God talks about the big C church, church universal, the Catholic church. Catholic is the word that means universal. And so whenever we talk about the Catholic church, that is the universal church, 17 times in the New Testament, 17 times in the New Testament, we see the word church used talking about the universal church. However, however, 60 times in the New Testament, we see the word church used in reference to the local church. Almost 80% of the time in the New Testament, whenever Paul or one of the other New Testament authors refers to the church, he is not talking about Big C Church. He is talking about Little C Church. He's talking about the church at Antioch, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Ephesus, the church in Jerusalem, the church local. Why? Because there is a, there is a peculiar affection that God has for the local church church. God intends the church to be local. The church is not brick and mortar. The church is the body of believers that gather together. The body of believers that gather together to worship a risen Savior in any particular location. The church at Redeemer. The church at Woodlawn. The church at Astruma. The church at Jefferson. The church in in China. The church in India. The church local. The the local church is important to God. The local church needs you, and you need the local church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. I want us to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. For the body, talking about the church, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason or any less part of the body. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason or any less part of the body. The whole body, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, as He desired in the body, Verse 19, if they were all one member, where would the body be? Verse 20, now there are many members and one body. The local church needs you. It needs your peculiar, your particular and peculiar giftedness. It needs your, your abilities. You say, I have no abilities. You do. God has gifted you and equipped you and He's placed you in a local body so that you can use those giftedness and those abilities for the furthering of His kingdom. The local church needs you. It needs the gifts and the abilities that you bring to the table. It needs your, your 
whatever it may be, whether you have the gift of administration or whether you have the gift of hospitality or whether you have the gift of of hiding in the back and doing things behind the scenes that nobody ever sees, whether you have the gift of shopping, whether you have the gift of decorating, you say, how can shopping be a gift? Well, my wife wife has uh, uh, a very peculiar gift of shopping. And whenever we go uh, around Christmas time, Amazon uh, likes to deliver lots and lots of stuff to my house. Well, now I have used that gift for the great, uh, for the, the, the big picture of the church. And now she can order stuff for the church since she's already so adept to getting online and shopping. I said, well, that's fine. We can buy stuff for the church. And so there is a gift and there is a role that you play for the local church. The last principle I want to point out to you, and then we'll get into the text, is that the local church is marked by love. The local church is marked by love. John chapter 13, verse 35 said, They will know you're my disciples when you have love for one another. The local church is marked by love. How do we know this? Because Jesus told his disciples, They will know you are my followers when you love one another. All right. Those are the basic principles. The basic principles, you're born into a family, family of God. We need support. We need each other. God loves the local church. God is concerned with little c, the local church. Uh, The local church needs you and you need the local church and the local church is marked by love. All right, so let's go back to the book of Acts and let's look at our text. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. So what are the characteristics of this local church? What we see here in chapter 19, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 19, is Paul describing, I'm sorry, Luke describing the church at Antioch and how Barnabas and how Paul became instrumental in leading this local church at Antioch. So what happened is, is that the church in Jerusalem began to be persecuted. And as they began to be persecuted, people fled the local church. They said, we are, we are going to another city to get, to get away from this persecution, away from this difficulty that we're experiencing. And some went to Cyprus and some went to Antioch. And, and so we see that the church, because of its persecution, was, was scattered by God's providential hand. What happens whenever the church was gathered and was sent out because of persecution? You have Christians who landed in Antioch and Macedonia and Philippi and Thessalonica and Ephesus. When the church was scattered, these believers went and they they settled in these other regions, in these other cities. And what happens when Christians settle somewhere? They inevitably begin to share their faith with others. And people come to faith and they, they trust Jesus. And then you've got a handful of Christians. Well, if you've got a handful of Christians in a city, what are you going to do? You're going to gather together. You're going to study together. You're going to encourage one another. You're going to pray for one another. You're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And all of a sudden you look around and pretty soon you've got a church. And all of a sudden that church begins to act like Jesus. Church begins to emulate Christ. They begin to love others. And the church grows. So let's look at this. 
The church endures persecution. That's the first principle I want us to see out of this passage. Look at verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word of God to everyone except for the Jews alone. So what happens is the church begins to experience hardship and persecution. I want to point out to you this morning, Redeemer Church, those of us who are followers of Jesus, Christianity does not tell us that we will be exempt from hardship. It does not tell us that we'll be exempt from difficulty, tribulation, or trials. In fact, it tells us quite the opposite. It tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that all of those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It tells us in James chapter 2, verse 1, it tells us that, my brethren, when you encounter various trials and tribulation, knowing, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 2, it tells us, uh, whenever you encounter various trials and tribulation, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, that we should take joy in our trial. So this tells us that we will endure hardships. And what do we see in Acts chapter 11? That the church was persecuted. They endured hardships. And did they quit? Did they say, you know what, this whole Jesus thing isn't worth it? No. They left and they went and started a church somewhere else where, guess what? They were persecuted. They endured hardships. The church endures and perseveres. The church is not exempt from hardships. And as they were scattered because of persecution, let's look at verse 20. There were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and they began speaking to the Greeks and preaching the Lord Jesus. The church, for the church, the gospel is a priority. A healthy church, a God-fearing church, a godly church, has the gospel as its priority, has evangelism as its priority. Why? Because were it not for the gospel, all we are is a social group. Were it not for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, all we are is a country club. But it is the gospel that transforms us. It is the gospel that unites us. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that unites us. If you look around this room, this is an eclectic group of people. You've got black, you've got white, you've got Hispanic, you've got old, you've got young. You've got people from different socioeconomic positions. You've got people from different parts of Baton Rouge. And why do we gather here? Do we gather here because we're all best friends? Do we gather here because we share some common interest? No, we gather here because what we share together is Jesus. What we share together is the gospel. The church, the local church should be marked by the gospel, by evangelism. As the church here in Jack and Mark chapter, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 11, as the church Move to these cities, what is instant, what is obvious is that everywhere they went, they were sharing the gospel. They were telling people about Jesus everywhere they went. In Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John said, We cannot help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul said this. He said, whether the whether whether Christ is preached in truth or pretense, I glory that Christ is preached. He said, "What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In this I rejoice 
And yes, I will rejoice. Do we understand that there are churches, local churches around Baton Rouge, that have different theology than us? Yes. Do they have different doctrine than us? Yes. But it ought to be our desire as a church to pray for, to encourage, to support churches that are different than us. Churches that are similar to us. Because the gospel should be a priority for our church. The gospel should be a priority for any church. Not denominationalism. The gospel. Not fortress building. The gospel. We ought to be about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Redeemer. As we get to 21, 22, and 23, let's follow the text. Chapter 11. They go to these predominantly Gentile areas and they begin proclaiming the gospel. And then what happens when you proclaim the gospel? The Holy Spirit begins to work in the hearts of, of, of people and people trust Jesus. They don't trust the church. They don't trust the denomination. They trust Jesus and they come into salvation. And as they come into salvation, they begin to fellowship with those people who are, who are like-minded with them. Those people who are, who are whom they have a communion of the gospel with. And as they begin meeting with these people, as they begin collecting these people, what do they do? The church sends resources. Look at chapter 11, verse 22. And the news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And we'll see later on how they will send other resources. The church does not hoard its resources. The church sends its resources. This fledgling church, this group of a handful of people gathered together in Antioch, they send out Barnabas. They will send out Paul to the mission field. You realize that Barnabas and Paul were first sent as missionaries from the church at Antioch? This church that was, was just happened to get its start because it was, there was persecution in Jerusalem and they scattered and somebody landed in Antioch and they began telling their friends about Jesus and there was a bunch of believers that got together and that church is the church that sent out Paul on his missionary journeys and Barnabas on his missionary journeys that begot over half of the New Testament. Do you realize that the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Philippians and Thessalonians and Timothy and Titus and Colossians and Ephesians, all of these letters, 13 books in the New Testament, were written by Paul because of his ministry starting and planting churches. And all of that was because a church at Antioch said, you know what, we have these resources, we're not going to hoard them, we're going to send them principles of the local church you send your resources why is it why is it that in today's world that we think in order to be a healthy church you've got to have 5,000 members this giant facility this huge bank account a healthy church is a church that sends 
church that sends missionaries, church that sends money, a church that sends resources, a church that sends pastors and youth pastors, a church that sends people to other, to other places to serve and proclaim and evangelize. A healthy church is a church that sins, not a church that hoards. The church that sends its people and its resources, Philippians chapter 2. See, it's not just here in the book of Acts. Paul in, the, in his letter to the church at Philippi, verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 19. Paul said, But I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Verse 25, same chapter. Verse 25. 25, but I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. Stay there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift far more than once for my need. The church at Philippi sent financial resources to help and support Paul in the midst of his need. Paul sent Timothy and sent Epaphrodites. We will see that Barnabas was sent, Timothy was sent, Titus was sent. All throughout the New Testament, we see people being sent out. We see resources being sent out. Why? Because the local church sends. It doesn't hoard. Verse 26, back in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the church teaches the truth. The church teaches the truth. I want to caution you, brother and sister in Christ. There are many pastors and many churches who teach the truth, who preach the Word of God, who faithfully divide the Word of God, who who rightfully break the bread of the Word. But there are many churches out there who do not. It is the mark of a healthy church that the pastor, that the teachers, that the elders preach and teach the Word of God. There's a reason, and I mentioned this last week, there's a reason that I teach and I preach the way that I do. I teach and I preach expositionally. That means I will walk through a passage or I will walk through a book chapter by verse, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and I will do this intentionally because I have a desire to rightfully divide God's Word. I have a desire to rightfully teach the whole counsel of God's Word. That means when I get to passages like 2 Samuel chapter 13, and it talks about rape, and it talks about incest, and, and i got to deal with that. As a pastor, I have to deal with that. And I have, I have the responsibility to rightfully divide God's word so that you can understand that passage so that you as a as a brother and sister in Christ as a child of God can understand God's word it is not my responsibility to teach you my convictions it is not my responsibility to teach you my opinions it is not my responsibility to teach you what I think it is my responsibility to teach you what God's word says and I will stand one day before the throne of God and give an account for all that I have taught and I pray that he may find me faithful. But the church teaches the truth of God. John chapter 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify me in truth, thy word is truth. As Paul was writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, listen to what he says. 
He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which you also stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached you. The word of God is so important. We must, as Christians, hold true and hold fast to the word of God. Acts chapter 17 gives us a beautiful picture of that. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Berea is a city, another. You see the church sending people. They sent Paul to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word of God with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The word of God must be taught. Question any pastor, any teacher that teaches his opinion. Question any pastor, any teacher that stands up and gives his convictions and preaches them as truth over the Word of God. The Word of God must be our standard for what is true. And finally, as we close, I want us to look at the very last mark in Acts chapter 11 of the local church. Acts chapter 11, verse 29. And in proportion that any of the disciples had means of each of the, each of them determined to send a contribution to the relief of the brethren living in Judea. They got word that there was a famine that was coming. And the church at Antioch said, well, we have plenty. Let's care for others. Let's send money, resources, Food. Let's care for others. A mark of a healthy church is they care for others, not for themselves. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. We see Paul encouraging the churches in the region of Galatia. He says this in verse 10. He says, So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45, we see the church... All those who had believed were together and had all things in common and began selling their property and possessions and they were sharing with them all that anyone, all, sharing with them all as anyone might have need. There was a commonality among the early church that they shared and that they gave to those who were in need. So as we look at this text, I hope that we grasp the reality That God loves the local church. He's equipped the local church. And you are needed in the local church. There is no perfect church. There's no church that is going to be without blemish. There's no church that is going to have all that you think that you want and that you need. But God is by His grace calling you to be a part of a local church. It may not be Redeemer, but God has called you to be part of a local church. Chapter Hebrews chapter 10, I want to read to you one more passage of Scripture and then we'll close. Hebrews chapter 10. The author of Hebrews writes this in verse 23 through 25. 
Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised us is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to growth and good deeds, to love and good deeds. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as the day draws near. It's easy to find an excuse not to gather together with the body of believers. Believe me, I know. Especially on Sunday morning after a long week, after you spent all day Saturday at the ball fields, all day, all week working, you get one day Sunday to rest. And you say, I just want to, I just want to rest. Rest in the Lord. Gather together with the body of Christ. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. We come together around the gospel. There are many of you who are here this morning who now see the value of the local church. But I want to remind us that it is the gospel that makes the local church valuable. We are all born into this world sinners. Standing before a holy God condemned. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But John 3.18 says that those who know not the life stand condemned already. And we are condemned because of our sin. But God loved us so much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross to bear the burden for our sin. And as we come to the realization of our need for a Savior, we are born again. And as we're born again, I implore you, be a part of a local church. There's value in the local church. Will you join me as we pray? God, we thank you for your church. We thank you for your church, universal. We thank you for the local churches that are in Baton Rouge, Cross Point, and Woodlawn, and Jefferson, and Astruma. All the other churches that are around us. We thank you for healing place. We thank you for abundant life. We thank you for all of the churches in and around Baton Rouge. We thank you for Redeemer. That by your grace that you have given us a local body. That we can gather together. We can celebrate a resurrected Jesus. We can have fellowship with other believers. We can be strengthened and encouraged. If you're out there this morning and you know you need to be part of a local church, maybe God is speaking to your heart to become a part of what He's doing right here at Redeemer. To use the gifts and the ability that you have to further His kingdom. To be a part of a gospel-centric church encouraged and edified alongside other believers maybe for the first time God has revealed to you that you need to trust Jesus whatever it is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart I want to invite you to be obedient this morning God may your Holy Spirit touch us and speak to us Lord may today you have your way in this place it's in Christ's name we pray